Welcome to the Grace Story Podcast, where inspiring stories are brought to life. This podcast is made possible by Grace College and Seminary, located on the shores of Winona Lake in the great state of Indiana. I'm your host, Dr. Drew Flam. This is the Grace Story Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Kokesha Bailey Robinson. She's a lover of God, of students, and of God's word, and she's an equipper of people. She enjoys living life and she lives it on purpose. She's a graduate of Fisk University where she earned her BA degree and also a graduate of Beeson Divinity School where she earned her MDiv. Kokisha worked in the field of radio and newspaper before becoming involved full-time in ministry work and she continues to have a passion for mass media where she started her career. She served as a missionary in Africa and Jamaica and her greatest passions are encouraging others through creative oral and written expression. She writes for several devotional sites and has contributed to four books, two of which she co-authored, Farther In and Deeper Down, written by the Bailey family, and The Inheritance, written by the Bailey family. She and her husband, her seminary sweetheart, Reverend Timothy Robinson, enjoy being students of the word and observers of the world. They love animals, history, and traveling, and building up Christian leaders. Most recently, Kokisha accepted the role of Associate Dean of Student Diversity and Inclusion at Grace College. Kokisha, welcome to the podcast. Good to see you. Thank you. Good to see you, my friend. Good to be here. Well, thank you for joining us via Google Chat. Tell me, where in the world are you? Hey, everybody. Um, I'm in Dallas, Texas, my hometown, the all-American city of Dallas. Go Cowboys. And I'm just thrilled to be at Grace through in this medium because it makes me not feel so far away from you all and really excited about the move in the fall to Indiana. Yes, we cannot wait to get you up here. I know that's been the plan for quite some time. And uh, COVID-19 has changed all of our plans and all of our lives. And we'll get into that a little bit even today. But appreciate the way that you have flexed and changed even how you've operated in starting this new role at Grace. And we're excited just to get to know you for a little bit today. Thank you, my joy to be here. Well, let's uh, let's go back to the beginning. Um, you grew up uh, as a pastor's kid. In fact, we just talked about some of your books written by the Bailey family. And so I assume that there are other Baileys who are writers. <laughs> um, Tell us what it was like growing up in a, a home where ministry was happening uh, and what it was like being a pastor's kid. Oh, my goodness. We would have to do this in like six or seven parts. <laughs> but you all can grab some coffee with me. I'd be happy to share the journey walking along the beautiful campus of Grace. It was awesome. It was stretching. It was overwhelming. It was beautiful. And it's something that I cherish. And it's a life that I can't undo. I'm the daughter of a preacher, the wife of a preacher, and I'm a woman that became one. So I couldn't unscramble this egg if I wanted to. <laughs> and although it was something that I really ran from as a child, being the shyest of the kids at that time, at that time, people don't believe that when they meet me now. That's because I'm different. <laughs> God changed who I am. Uh, however, at that time, I just liked being the daughter that rooted for my parents on the sideline and in the background. And so it was an honor to be their daughter, watching them uh, move the ball further down the field for the kingdom in black and white circles. And uh, my dad has been in glory almost 17 years. 
but I feel like he's still mentoring generations of preachers and pastors, which were his heart. And my mother has been a mentor to pastor's wives my entire life. And in their speaking ministries and in founding a church, the church is just two years older than I am. Uh, It's been great to grow up with that church and to have multi-generational friendships. And then to see my dad's successor pastoring in such a pioneering way in his own shoes has really been beautiful. And now I'm almost a middle-aged woman that can go back and um, encourage preacher's kids of the next generation to maybe hold their hand and walk them through some landmines. And certainly as a woman in ministry to do the same for young ladies. Every time I've been at Grace, women find me to say, what do I do about what God is calling me to do? So now I'm just so excited and proud and grateful Uh, for any stresses that growing up in a pastor's home caused, because now those scars are badges of honor that help me to help younger people navigate. And so I wouldn't have met Jesus without growing up in this pastor's home. I wouldn't have seen um, a passion for having a, a vision in life that's greater than yourself. And so I'm very, very proud to be a a pastor's daughter and anybody that's a preacher's kid is all right with me. I was a I was a principal's kid, and I yeah yeah you know I mean I visited the principal's office, but it was never for good reasons. It seemed like so. Um, uh, My sister's been a principal, so she would probably identify with many of your feelings on that. But both both of us and so many listening have leaders as parents, so we had a fishbowl that people were always watching that we couldn't escape. And so it's helped us to um, learn that your leaders, whether you want to be or not, people are always watching. So to remember to reflect Christ and to be authentic and to to love people. So I, I'm thankful for the life. I wouldn't trade it. Well, you mentioned that, you know, ministry, um, working with students. I mean, that that wasn't your original direction. You went to college as a as an English major, and you know, you're you're a writer turned speaker, and worked in the mass media industry. Talk about that season of life and what led you down that path, and you know, talk about how that's fueled your your passion for even social media and how it can be used for God's glory. But I'd love to just hear how you. Uh, your journey originally started out of college. Oh, thank you very much. So I went to a, uh, I went to an awesome high school in Dallas, Texas, and so many leaders made a profound impact on my life there. Uh, but particularly Sonia Stewart, who was my journalism teacher. And have you ever had a teacher that you loved so much and you respected so much, you just did what they said? And so during that season of life, I had gone on college tours and fell in love with some campuses, but hadn't yet found the campus that spoke to my soul, kind of like Grace, which we'll get to. However, she said, I want you to look at Fisk University. Do you know who's come out of Fisk University? She started calling the role, Nikki Giovanni, Zora Neale Hurston, uh, Booker T. Washington. So then that made me feel like if they went to Fisk, I'm interested. And I went solely based on the reputation of Fisk and Miss Sonia Stewart's push. And she saw something in me I didn't see in myself, a gift to write. And she said, I want you to major in English because then you're marketable in all fields, <laughs> no matter what you become. And so I just decided if I'm going to be a journalist, which was my heart at that time, let's do English and the emphasis in mass comm. 
And on that campus, I had a radio show, uh, or at least participated in many radio shows. Um, I wrote for the Fisk Forum newspaper. That gave me a lot of joy. I would emcee programs when we had people uh, coming for performances. Just communicating seemed to be the bent uh, that God was and the path God was leading me on. And then I graduate and land some awesome jobs in radio, selling radio, um, radio gets results writer, and on and on. Customer rep. I think I got the number one uh, sales award one year. I'm like, I'm not even a salesperson. <laughs> that was the grace of God. <laughs> but every all things radio and magazine uh, were things that I were interested in. And then suddenly I saw God shifting. I call them sovereign shifts because after several promotions, I lost interest and sensed that God was urging me to go into ministry work. And that was the beginning. Now, looking back of how God will call benedictions to call invocations in life. And that transition is not a dirty word. And I plan on writing that. I love writing books, contributing to books and writing books. One book that I'll be writing is transition is not a dirty word. People don't have to feel bad for moving on into a new place of grace. And so... <laughs> Uh, I worked at the Concord Church as an administrative assistant because that was the only job that was available, which was awesome. Uh, but I remember people feeling like, why would you leave such a prestigious job in Las Colinas, Texas, which is pretty posh. It used to be the place where the Dallas Cowboys, you know, lived. And so it's like, why would you leave that part of town to work here in our church? And my dad really struggled. I saw the struggle of a pastor daddy. Like I didn't. I didn't send you to college for you to come be the church secretary. <laughs> so now secretaries are more empowered. They are called executive assistants. This was 20 years ago when they were church secretaries. And so I just remember saying, dad, it's not prestigious. It doesn't pay much, but I'm so fulfilled because this is where God wants me. And I really believe it was answering the phone and opening mail and praying for people that called and needed a prayer. <laughs> Uh, that God just opened my heart to this is servitude. In life, you'll get some fancy titles and some people will exalt you because some titles seem more prestigious, but this work here, this is the nuts and bolts of ministry. And I'm grateful. And so that was the beginning of a ministry path that led to becoming a speaker because then people started saying, since you work here now, would you like to speak for the women's breakfast? Would you like to speak for Women's Day? And then eventually pastors started calling I don't want you to just come for women's events. Can you just come speak at our church on Sunday? And so I've been doing itinerant ministry as a traveling minister, maybe 20 years. It just seemed like itinerant ministry started immediately when I started working at church. However, uh, seminary came in there somewhere like in the next five to seven years after that. And then after seminary, ministry jobs on staffs at at churches on other levels. So that meant a lot to have the experience with administrative staff and experience with ministerial staff or ministry staff. So I don't regret it. I, I, in seminary, I felt deeply insecure. Like, why would you call me into ministry? And I didn't take Greek and Hebrew in undergrad. Or there was, I majored in English. I could have been majoring in theology. And I just felt the spirit saying, I never waste anything. So you're a writer. This means you'll be a writing minister, a writing speaker. And so now with every book that's published, it gives me great joy and reminds me that 
God, God's plan is not thwarted. And he, he doesn't invest something in any of us in any season to go to waste. And so anything I brought from working at the church <laughs> or going to seminary or in publishing, I bring to the kingdom and now I bring to grace. Well, you mentioned seminary and, you know, we have a seminary at Grace, yes. a theological seminary, a wonderful seminary. Excellent and, seminary. Um, you also talk about that being a, a hard time of life. Um, so tell us a little bit about that season and advice you'd give to others who are considering seminary or are considering making that step from, you know, I've been I've been in business, I, I, I've been doing something else and I'm considering this transition to ministry. I'm sure. considering seminary. Um, what did you go through and what did you learn from those experiences that you'd pass on to others? Mm. I am a non-traditional student, so many of my peers in seminary were significantly younger than I was. Uh, so I have lots of little brothers and sisters from seminary. I was in my well into my 30s there. Uh, and so to some, I could appear that I'm a late bloomer. And so if there's somebody listening that feels like you're behind the ball or God gave you a curveball later in life, I represent you. And so I want to say specifically to you that God's that God's plan A may look like your plan B. I want to make sure people get that. Our plan Bs were always God's plan A's. And we don't determine how fast the ball goes. My sister wanted to be a teacher since we were kids. I'm two years older. They would ask her. She spoke at Grace last year. Thank y'all for taking such good care of her. Shaniqua, what do you want to be at five? A teacher at 10, a teacher at 27, a teacher. So I'm like, man, what kind of person am I? I'm the big sister and I don't really know. You know, I lived in fantasy a while. I want to be Miss Piggy or Wonder Woman. <laughs> and then at 15, I saw, I think I love radio and magazine and newspaper. And then I, that path grew, but I was well into my 20s working in mass media. And then not even until my 30s was I really put into the deep water of ministry. Now at 47, my heart is singing. And I see I didn't have to keep up with my sister. I have the same path of my sister and others. It doesn't make one better or one worse. It just means that God had different navigation systems. And so I want to tell people, trust God's plan even when you don't understand his timing give yourself to the process be flexible some come out of college and seminary and get great jobs and some have to do things that sometimes we feel like is beneath us but god doesn't waste that and he utilizes it and he develops our faith muscles and shows us what servitude really is and humility and then i want to urge people to really understand that god gives us on the job training I was hyperventilating over, I'm in class with, I'm in class and there are not many blacks. That's, that can be intimidating. I'm in class and there are not many women. That can be intimidating. I had come from a culture that believed that maybe women should do this, but not this. That's deeply overwhelming. <laughs> but then you come into the knowledge, the older you get, that I'm here to please the Lord. And all I need is that one applause. And if my life is bringing glory to his heart, 
then it doesn't matter when people have different theological views because I know who I am in Jesus Christ. I'm not here to prove anything, but neither am I here to dim my light to make others comfortable. And so I want to say, be yourself and give yourself permission to evolve. Who I am at 47 is not who I was at 37 or 27. Thanks be to God. But uh, now I, I have a, a voice that um, stewardship of the voice is what I live for. That this role at Grace is not about me being an African-American face so everybody could be proud that we hired a black woman. No, 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 no. This is a partnership that God has brought Grace and Kokesha together for kingdom expansion. And so other people that look like me can know there's a place for you here too. And so even when it's uncomfortable to speak up, stewardship and responsibility and accountability cause us to have to speak up and to not escape life tensions. So if you have a similar calling that it's unpopular, people would often say 20 years ago, women that want to do this in the church, they're troublemakers. But now I get calls from the same people saying, thank you for being a trailblazer. So I just want to tell people, <laughs> give your lifetime because titles change. But God is in the business of changing people personalities, and paradigms. And I'm so thankful to have experienced them all. Kokisha, I think you're like a, a walking, like 140 character Twitter sayer, like constantly. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I got to write that one down. Oh, got to write that one down. Oh, there's another good one. Um, you're fine. Queen of alliterations and, uh, and uh, Twitter, whatever they call those, 140 characters. Amazing. Um, you talk about this journey, you know, from pastor's kid to mass media to uh, seminary. And then um, I, I was really interested in reading your bio, you know, Texas to Harlem. Yeah. Like, not, 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 you know, again, not, not one of those like natural progressions. <laughs> um, so, I mean, what was your time like in Harlem and what did the Lord teach you in a very different and, and unique um, geographical location from where you came from? And I, and I think about that because I think of students who come to Grace from, you know, all over the world uh, and in a similar way are, are coming somewhere geographically unique um, and for a period of time are here to learn within that unique setting. Mm. And maybe some of the things you learned um, from being uprooted from the familiar and oh. placed into the unfamiliar. Mm. That's beautifully said. Um, wow. I, I can't take any credit for this because this is not a path I would have chosen. I don't, outside of the jobs in radio, every job I've had has been one where God placed me there. <laughs> And so I have to be sure that we don't toot our own horns uh, because none of these spots were given to me because of my pedigree or bio. It's really been by the amazing grace of God. I choke up because I'm so thankful for God's selection process. And many times he's not calling the qualified, he's qualifying the called. And I'm so thankful for that. And that's why it means so much to me to inspire and encourage students with other outstanding leaders there that wherever you go in life, you must live in a state of preparation, but you must also be flexible to where God sends you, even if it's outside of your context or your culture. Now, I'm really at home in the South, black or white, anywhere in the South. We're gonna have barbecue, we're gonna have tacos. 
we're going to have a great time. I'm very thankful to be a daughter of the Black Church experience because the global Black Church and our local Black Church has been my seminary before I went to seminary. Exposed me to some amazing preachers, theologians, teachers, and my lifelong friends since I worked at Concord Church uh, twice. But I knew that I needed an experience beyond our culture. And I knew that God had used Concord to give me roots and wings. And there comes a time when God says, now take all you've learned here. Now I'm transitioning you so you can take what you know and let others benefit from it. But I'm also most of all placing you somewhere where they can teach you. Because after graduation from seminary, sometimes we can become prideful and think, I have so much to share with the world. This temp seminary taught me so much. But I got to tell you, my first job post-seminary showed me everything I didn't know. And as awesome as seminary is, and, and if people are interested in seminary, come and talk to me because I'm an advocate. I'll push you to go to Grace Seminary or the seminaries that I've attended or others. But I have to say, Growing up Southern gave me a strong theology, but going to New York helped me marry theology with sociology. The benefit of growing up in the South is that I come from the Bible Belt. We know the Bible. We don't know it all, but we know the Bible, and I'm thankful. My husband attended a school that's very liberal, and he's proud of his degree there, very prestigious school. But he even said, I'm so thankful I got a seminary education in the South because I was rooted before I got up there with things that I didn't believe. But then they exposed him to things that the South should have exposed him to. And New York exposed me to things the South should have exposed me to. And so I'm so grateful. That's why when people say, why do you move around like this? Because doggone it, I want a worldview. And that can't just come from just living in the South, which I love. I needed to, now I need a Midwest experience. But New York, I really believe, put back pages of the African-American experience that's been often systematically omitted. So it taught me my own history. It also showed me that Southern cooks aren't the only good cooks in the world. Because <laughs> all of eating was some good eating for foodies. I want you to know I am representing for foodies. But um, Mount Nebo Church is a very significant place. I remember when I took the job at the invitation of the pastor, I thought to myself, I know I'll love them, but I could never love a church like Concord Church of Dallas, founded by E.K. Bailey and now pastored by Brian Carter. But I was wrong because after funerals and weddings and baby dedications and sermons and potlucks, they got in my heart and they make me feel like my husband and I got in their heart and we experienced joy and sorrow together. And I remember meeting people in the community uh, that had AIDS and they felt like I need a place where I'm not marginalized and overlooked and muted. And I kept meeting people that had been made to feel invisible throughout Harlem and New York. And I just thought, thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity, because I want to be a voice for underrepresented communities and demographics and for people that feel unheard and unseen. And, and Harlem helped me to develop a social consciousness. I cannot say that I had a heart for justice before Harlem. I had a heart for the gospel. <laughs> Uh, but I do feel like when you don't speak up for those that are marginalized, 
you miss the ministry of Jesus. And so I'm so grateful for Southwest education that met a Northeast education in the church. And seminarians, I want you to know, working in a church gives you a PhD in ministry. So don't just be proud of getting the degree. Go get some experience because it's it's getting in the trenches with people that gives you an even greater education. Uh, uh, thank you for sharing um, uh, about God's work through your time there in Harlem. And uh, we're excited now to, to have you um, get that Midwest experience um, and come up here to Grace. Uh, and I want to fast forward just a little bit um, in the time we have remaining to ask, first of all, you know, like, how'd you hear of Grace College and how did you become familiar um, with the, the Grace College community and, and grow in your passion and excitement about, hey, maybe I can make another geographical move and, and try out the Midwest. So tell us a little bit about getting connected to Grace. Sure, sure. And it's not just a sitting around like, where can I live next? I don't believe in just going out there on your own. I mean, moves that are inspired by the spirit. But because God has been shifting in these recent years and nudging me, be open to when I send you to new places, I don't allow myself to be pigeonholed. And so when there's um, a unity and a kindred spirit like that of grace, then my antenna is up about what is God doing. So to answer your question, I finished working um, on the ministerial staff at Concord. I mentioned I had worked there twice, uh, once pre-seminary, once post, once where my dad was the pastor, once where the current pastor, Pastor Carter is the pastor. And so then that led to Mount Nebo with Pastor Green at, at Mount Nebo, which I do want to pause since this is an authentic podcast to say that, uh, and we probably will have podcasts. We talk more about this in the future. Over 10 people from our Mount Nebo family passed away during COVID. And I know this is kind of taking a different turn. I'll be back to the question. But I can't say the name Mount Nebo without my heart skipping a beat, knowing how heavily impacted that church and New York and Harlem have been to COVID. So I just want to please ask everyone to pray for Pastor Johnny Green, who was our pastor there, and to that community, because they are still like home for us. Um, and so I guess I want to say after... Mount Nebo and coming back to work for Concord, I felt after four years that God was saying, you wanted to work for your dad. You did it. You wanted to work for Pastor Carter. You did it. You wanted to get an East Coast experience. And my dad said before he passed away, you're going to need to work in New York because opportunities for women are greater there and you won't have the red tape of the South. So I just felt like all of those experiences brought this moment a culmination of who I'm becoming. Uh, and so maybe in the fourth year, after the second time of working for Concord, God said, you got the tools, you got your dream, you worked for the church that raised you, that was your thank you note. And you supported both pastors and you learned. Now there's some other things I want you to do. And I said, well, what is it? Again, I'm talking to the non-traditional call people. And God said, I'll tell you once you resign. I'm like, oh my gosh. I don't have the path that people have that feel like, and I quit and went to this job and this job and lived happily ever after. No, I, I cried so hard resigning because I didn't want to go, but I had come to learn to trust God's sovereign shifts. And sometimes obedience is agonizing. <laughs> All you have to do is read Genesis 22. <laughs> 
and watch Abraham and Isaac's journey of Mount Moriah. Obeying God doesn't always feel good. So I cried, I resigned, and my pastor said, do you mind me asking, what are you doing next? And I said, Pastor Carter, I honestly don't know, but I believe the next season, the spirit is saying, you're going to be doing full-time writing and full-time speaking and the establishment of a ministry where you can speak, teach, mentor seminarians and write full-time. He said, wow, I believe you'll do all those things and, and we're proud of you and we're praying for you. My husband took a job in Houston. It gave me a chance to exhale from a lifetime of ministry. Sometimes ministry keeps you energized. And just to be honest, sometimes ministry is exhausting. It's purposeful exhausting, exhaustion, but it's exhausting. So I got a chance to take a break. And in that season, God spoke to me. I want you to establish Cross Spring Ministries and be available to be a full-time mobile ministry. And you'll go around the world teaching and preaching and sharing and mentoring. And I'm like, but who's going to call me? Nobody even knows I'm available to do this. He said, you don't worry about it. I market you. You don't market yourself. And as sure as I'm sitting here a year later, my calendar was just filled with, we preach at this church, we speak at this seminary. And whenever I got to seminaries, there was something home about it. And when I went to colleges, I didn't want to leave. And I started seeing this is the birth of something new. But it felt familiar because this was the feeling that happens when God is saying shift. And so that takes me to Grace College. Now, three to four years ago, I don't remember the year. Shout out to Dr. Rada, who even told you all about me. A dear brother from Beeson, now a rock star in Grace. I get to Grace. God had been silent for months. And I'm like, what in the world are you doing, Lord, at this season? And when I walked on the stage at Grace, you all didn't know this. But I knew that the spirit put in my heart, I made you resign from your last job to do more of this. And I can't tell you the, the joy. Speaking at Grace wasn't a new experience because I had been speaking at colleges before, but it was a settled piece that you're in the right season that I called you to. Uh, and then the next year, Brent, my brother beloved, invited me back. And that visit, I just felt like I love this place like I went to school here. And that can only be explained by God's grace and the Spirit's activity. And what was unique about grace is that <laughs> students started reaching out to say, can we have coffee with you? Can we come to your B&B? &B? Where are you? Can we spend some more time with you? And literally, I would have a full day schedule. And I just started thinking there's something unique in the, just happening in the, in the air here. And then it's a breathtaking campus. And to meet the students, um, it just meant a lot that they would want to meet me, a stranger, and confide and feel like this is a safe place, get a hug, prayer, encouragement, ask questions, and go on off. And then Kiana comes to town and is like, you told us in chapel if we ever came to Dallas, we could call you. Well, me and my friend are here. And so I'm like, somehow <laughs> these strangers have now become my pumpkins these kids are now my kids, our little brothers and sisters. And so uh, maybe between the second and third visit, I felt God put in my heart, you're going to be here and be open to an opportunity. And I told my husband long before you all posted this job, God wants me to be a grace. I love them. I cannot explain the joy that I have when I'm there. And he said, Kokisha, you go a lot of places. 
but the happiness is on another level when you come back from grace. So um, I told him a year before this job posted or two or two. And so I'm just, whenever people talk to me, they're going to always hear me say that I'm motivated by God's unctions, which we say in the black church, by his spirit. And I trust him. I trust the spirit because feelings are fickle and so, and thoughts are fleeting, but the spirit is consistent and sure and never changing. And the same God that said, you belong here, you're going to be here, provided the opportunity. And so I just want people to know God gives on the job training. Our plan, (laughs) our plan B was always God's plan A. And you can trust the navigation system of God. And I'm so, 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 so grateful that he's navigated us to one another. And I want to be there a long time. Y'all are my family and I love you. And I just can't wait to be there with you. That is that is amazing. Um, and, and I know being um, here at Grace that talking to students, uh, when you ask students, you know, who are your favorite chapel speakers? Um, Kokisha always came up as, oh, we always look forward every year to when Kokisha is going to come speak. And and I remember the job being posted and then hearing that you were interested. And I'm like, wait, the, the favorite chapel speaker lady? Oh, my Isn't God. Here full time. That's awesome. Oh, my goodness. Um, and uh, so it's just neat to see how that has come for full circle. And like you said, how the spirit has moved. Um, and in God's providence, you started at, you know, the most unique time we have experienced uh, in a long time uh, as a nation. I think you started in March or February or April, somewhere in there, right? It was definitely March. March, Uh, My mother came. She's like, I want to see what you love about the school so much. She flew up there with me. She said, I just want, if you're moving there, I got to see who are these people that you love so fast. And uh, I said, why don't you rest? I'll have my first day. And then the next day you can come to chapel with me. And they said, we'll tell everybody about the hire once you get to chapel. And then the school closed the next day. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's amazing. And you have, um, that being said, you've started. I mean, you've been working. I'm in. And and tell me just a little bit about the last um, couple months and what you've been up to um, in your new role at Grace and interactions with students. Oh, my goodness. One thing I can say for sure is that this pandemic, and you know this because I see all that you're doing and you're doing way more than what we see. Uh, A pandemic has not stopped productivity. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Because we are hustling hard. My boss, Aaron, the whole student affairs team, your team, President Kato, everybody. So I love the fact that starting in March, I began to be full uh, part time. Um, But I got to admit, the sadness of the losses that we experienced to COVID made me start working full time, even though I'm working part time right now. You know why? Because the job gives me so much happiness. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not like a job forcing you to be full time on part time basis. It's that I can't stop doing it because I love it. So I wanted to think of how can students get to know me if I'm in Texas, because I'm not flying back and forth like we hoped pre-COVID. So I just thought, well, let's see if they're on Instagram. And I started, you know, seeing Grace students following me. 
um, we had a series of care calls where all hands were on deck with the staff. So just introducing myself to those students, some of the, and telling them I'm on Instagram if you ever want to say hey, and then just getting the word out. If you uh, want to have an appointment with me, pop me an email. It'd be my joy to have a video chat with you. And so I just remember students started responding immediately. They started saying uh, private mess, sending private messages, DMs on IG. Hey, Miss Kokisha, I want to get to know you better. Or can I talk to you on, what's, on WhatsApp? <laughs> so several did that. Um, and then some people were like, I think that was you that called me, but I didn't answer because I didn't know the Texas area code. So some would text, some would um, send a DM, some would email. It's just been nice to have many different ways of communicating with students. Um, then there have been outstandingly gifted Kareth covering that sweet article in the magazine. And that whole team has been one way of sharing my story and what we're doing at Grace uh, and on and on and on. The weekly meetings with Aaron and his team, man, they've been so just a wonderful training as far as giving me a lens that looks beyond the singular lens of being the chapel speaker to now seeing everyone's role and the joy that it gives me of seeing them and their purpose. And they compliment me a lot on what I bring. I, I'm so grateful for that, but they have no idea what they bring. And I'm so happy that uh, it's just a really awesome collective effort. So between weekly meetings, uh, meetings with the president, I appreciate him saying we want your voice to help us speak up for underrepresented um, demographics on campus, that means a lot. And then I, I believe in self-education. You know, I have a, a degree from a seminary and another college, and I'm currently working on a doctorate. After this degree, my learning won't stop. We have a responsibility to, to, to learn uh, because leaders are learners. And so I self-educate. I've been obsessed with webinars on diversity, equity, and inclusion, ministry webinars, necessary conversations on COVID and race, self-care, mental health. So uh, I'm Zooming a lot. And sometimes I have to take a, a Zoom break because sometimes people are calling on African-American voices and we just can't accommodate all requests. So it's been nice to collaborate with others, to Zoom, to meet. But most of all, my greatest joy comes from just talking to the students who call and they're sitting on the bed like, hey, what you doing? <laughs> And sometimes I know that that one call just means I needed some encouragement or I like the fact that I can video chat somebody that looks like me. And you're going to probably hear me say that a lot. Um, but I do remember a profound moment in the chapel. You know, after chapel, I like standing uh, to hug the students and they would tell me what's been going on and catch me up from the news the year before. And then one year I remember a great student sobbing. She said, I never thought in a million years I would ever see a woman of color speak here. Well, this is just an authentic moment where she could tell the truth about her experience, but also be appreciative that times are changing. And so I have to say moments like that on video chat, when people feel like it's just so nice that somebody looks like me, is very meaningful. You know, that's one of the reasons I took the job there, not only because of the spirit of Christ and the awesome leadership and staff, but because students at all campuses, especially private white institutions, need to know you can work here, you can grow here, and this is togetherness. And so I think togetherness has really been what has motivated me 
this summer. I feel like I belong there. Uh, I feel like I have nothing to prove. I'm just going to be myself. We're going to all learn together. But I really like the beauty that's coming from students saying it means a lot to us that they hired you. I get choked up so easily, but it means a lot that some would say, do you think they'll hire me after I graduate? <laughs> that they feel that it's a season of promise. And so that brings my heart great pleasure. Well, thank you for sharing. And I, I you know, we could spend probably a couple more hours or days even just talking about the last three months and right. things you've learned and things you could educate about. And, and um, I look forward to having that happen more and more on our campus uh, when you get here. And you, you may have to trade out those hugs for fist bumps for a yes, while. Yes, I know. Um, but, we're, <laughs> but we're so excited to have you soon and very soon. And I appreciate you taking some time today to even just share a little bit of your story and help us get to know you a little bit. Um, and we're excited to have you as a part of the Grace family. Thank you. It's my honor to be here. Thank you for all of your work. Well, I want you to know we see you moving and shaking and your ministry really matters. Can't wait to be there with all of you. Well, uh, if you didn't uh, hear it, you can, of course, check out Kokisha on Instagram. Um, she was giving me a few uh, social media tips even before the podcast started. Um, she's prolific and good on there. So um, check her out. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Grace Story podcast. Our music was written and produced by Dr. Wally Brath, Assistant Professor of Worship Arts at Grace College. And thanks to our co-producers, Andrew Palladino and Rick Neer. And of course, if you can do a huge favor and rate, comment on this podcast, share it, we'd be so grateful. Until next time, live your best grace story today.